Well, we're still in 1 Corinthians. This week we're in chapter 4. I've got all kinds of things going on up here, so this is going to be a, a, a teaching lesson, okay? We're going, to, we're going to look at a couple of different translations of the Bible. Um, I've got a handout for you. I've got all kinds of things going on. It's taken me three Bibles to do this lesson, so I've got three different Bibles up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, I've titled this lesson, How to React When You're Under Attack. How to React When You're Under Attack. And in this chapter, we're going to see that, that really Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing uh, almost to defend himself. Okay? So we've been talking a lot about division in the church of Corinth, and you know, this is a prideful bunch, okay? The members of this church have let pride creep into their lives and into their church. And I can tell you uh, from experience and uh, my own life and, and seeing it in other people's lives and in organizations that pride uh, for a reason is one of the most destructive sins, if, the, if not the most destructive sin. Okay, I mean, there's a reason that the Bible tells you that uh, before the, the fall, there is pride. Okay, so this church has got all kinds of pride. They've got pride from a, from a materialistic um, culture standpoint. You know, we, we've talked about this in, I think, chapter 2, where it says that they were chasing and looking to people that had, I think they used the word clever speech, right? So they're prideful in all kinds of ways. They're looking up to people that have maybe money and have things and have status. So they've got the materialistic pride, which is not good. It all is in and of itself. But they also have a spiritual pride. So they've, they've got this spiritual pride working inside of them that, that says, hey, we're, we're better than you. We're better than you. And in this chapter, uh, we can tell that Paul feels attacked, really. Uh, and the reason he feels attacked is because uh, the church in Corinth is looking at Paul and they're saying, listen, we're not too thrilled with your brand of Christianity. Okay, we don't necessarily think that you are interpreting the, the gospel of Christ in the right way. You know, we're not really enthusiastic about this strength and weakness, okay, and this persecution and sacrifice. All right, that doesn't sound too great to us. We, we would like to aspire perhaps more to the kinder, gentler, more luxurious form of Christianity. So they're really... Paul is here writing to respond. Uh, they, in this church, the people of this church, much more focused on the here and now and what it means for them. And you know the old Apostle Paul, he's usually focused on eternity, right? So there's a big difference and there's a big disconnect. And in this chapter, we're going to see that Paul is really responding to this attitude. To this attitude that's in the church, to it, that this pride and this really condemning his way of, of leading and teaching and his ministry. So really what Paul is doing here in this chapter is he's reacting. He's reacting to this criticism. He's reacting to the attacks. And I'm going to read the chapter, chapter 4. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. All right, I know a bunch of our guys here, and most of you probably work off of the English Standard Version, ESV. And I'm going to, when I start teaching through this, I'm going to go back and forth. All right, I'm going to show you both. The reason I'm going to read from the New Living Translation is a couple of reasons. One, it is really good when you're studying Scripture to look at different, different translations, 
Okay, You will learn a lot about Scripture when you look at different translations and you can understand maybe you know, more what's behind the words. But the other reason I'm doing it is, is kind of a, a, a selfish one, if you will. It's a little easier to understand. Okay, it's a little easier to understand. So there's a lot of times whenever I'm preparing for a lesson, I will go to my New Living Translation. I'll read that first. I've even got a children's Bible that I read sometimes. And I'll end up and finish up with, with the King James Version. And I get all kinds of different interpretations along the way. So I'm going to read for you chapter 4, and then we're going to dig in uh, to, the, to the text a lot more over the next 20 or 30 minutes here. So chapter 4, 1 Corinthians It says, so look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give each one whatever praise is due. So dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scripture, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need? You think you're already rich? You've begun to reign in God's kingdom without us? I wish you really were reigning already, for for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and to angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't even have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We have blessed those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We peel gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is the living, it is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? So can you really sense just the sarcasm a little bit in, in Paul's voice as he's writing this? You know, it's like, who do you think you are? I mean, why are you judging me? I don't even judge myself, right? Only God is my judge. 
and, and you're boasting, and why is it that you think all of this is because of what you've done, right? You can just tell he's, he's a little put off by the fact that they're questioning uh, his faith and his commitment and his, his relationship with Christ, okay? And he's frustrated. You can just tell, can't you? Just by listening to that, you can tell that Paul is frustrated. But at the same time, at the same time, he's really trying to teach them. I mean, there's a lot that's packed in this chapter where Paul is really trying to teach them. It says in there that, that he's not trying to shame them. He says, I'm not writing these things to shame you. But instead, I'm writing these things I want to teach you. I want you to learn. I want you to understand. And I think that inside of these verses, uh, we also can, can learn. Okay, there's a lot we can learn from this chapter about how we should react I mean, Paul's really modeling out for us. He's describing to us how we should react when somebody's coming after us, when somebody's coming to attack us. And listen, in today's world, it's pretty likely that you're going to get attacked if you're a Christian. It's pretty likely. Um, certainly in just the secular world that we live in, you know, I mean, it, it, whether it's work or whether it's school or whether it's friends, sometimes it's family, right? I mean, chances are that if you're standing up for Jesus— at some point, you're going to get attacked by somebody. And you know, the other place you might get attacked is, is just like you're seeing here. You know, this whole entire series that we're teaching in 1 Corinthians is about unity and, and really unity in the church because honestly, we see a lot of attacks even inside the church, right? Not just, uh, not just the little city here at Preston Wood, but you know, if you get involved and you roll up your sleeves and you really go to work here at the church, I promise you, it's not always pretty. It's not always pretty. Okay, you're dealing with people. When you're dealing with people, sometimes they don't do what you want them to do. Don't act the way you want them to act. And it goes both ways, right? Sometimes you can get attacked. Sometimes people make bad decisions. Okay, some people don't understand maybe what they're saying. So it happens in the church as well, you know, and, and, and it certainly happens across churches, right? It certainly happens across churches. I mean, man, um, I, I would just be amazed to see, right, what would happen if, if the churches could agree <laughs> just on some things, you know, if we could just kind of get down to the, the, the core of what we believe in and, be, and just be committed to it. Uh, man, what would it do? You know, we talked about this, right, back in chapter one where we said, are we on the same team, you know, and we're not always on the same team. I'm sure that there are people in this class that could talk of times where they've been attacked, maybe in the church, maybe outside of the church. Um, I know in my life, it's happened often. Uh, I could talk about a lot of different examples. Uh, one I've talked about before, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you a little bit about again, because when I was going through this chapter, it really just kept coming over and over in my mind, speaking to me, a time that I went through in my life uh, where I was attacked and uh, had to do with a business uh, that I started and owned for many, many years, still own it today. I'm not very involved, but I still own it today. And about five years ago, I was all fired up about this company. And uh, I was going to make it a company that was dedicated to God. And uh, I went and studied a bunch of great companies and great men, including his uh, father, David Green, uh, at Hobby Lobby. And I just, I, I immersed myself in all these good Christian leaders. And I was going to make this company a good Christian company put the, the Bible verses kind of like in and out on all of our products and materials, hired a bunch of what I thought were good people, including some Christian brothers, okay? But it didn't turn out exactly the way I had planned, all right? I had, had some people inside that company that decided that, that 
they didn't want to do it that way. They want to do it another way. So they got together and they decided, listen, we're going to leave. We're going to take a whole bunch of, of information and material, and we're going to try to force this company into bankruptcy. And, uh, and then as part of the strategy, okay, was that they were going to make me out to be a really bad guy so that I'd get removed from the business and removed from the process. So, so they went on an attack to try to attack me. And what was so, in hindsight, didn't seem very fun at the time, but uh, in hindsight was a great time. Uh, the, the basis of their attack basically was that I had put Jesus and God before the business and it wasn't good for business. And they actually wrote this in, uh, in, in the lawsuit. Uh, so, you know, I got to go to court and sit in court. And, and I, I remember sitting down there for a whole day. And I remember uh, Jeff Young, uh, uh, who you all know here, pastor of church, came down there with me and sit, and sit right next to me. We didn't say a word for eight hours, but Jeff sat there while I, while I was deposed and sat on the stand and was made out to be this awful, terrible person. And during the course of this time, we even received these anonymous kind of threatening letters to, to our family that were attacking me and attacking my faith and attacking my relationship to the church, okay? And this was a company that I had poured my life into. You know, I had given it uh, a lot in terms of just my financial support and, uh, and spiritual support and poured my life into the people. And you know how, how Aaron and I love to serve, so we serve the people of this company, okay? But it just didn't, it just didn't turn out. It didn't turn out well at all. And it, and it was a time in my life where I felt like I was really under attack. But during that time, I can tell you um, that I learned a lot. Okay, I learned a lot. I grew a lot during that. And, and I, I don't think I was good at everything we're going to talk about. I think I was good at some of the things we're going to talk about. It made a difference in my life and how I reacted in that situation. Because at that time in my life, God was really working on me. Okay, and it was a time where I was, I was fasting. I went on a 40-day fast, and, and, and it was just a time. It was just a time of spiritual enlightenment for me. So it was a good time for me, okay? And I, and I still pray that the way I reacted it, it will help some others that were in that company. I'm still praying for that today. I still have that business. It's, it's, uh, it's turned around now, and we went through all of that. We got a bunch of godly men that, that work in that company. Um, so... I learned a lot in going through this chapter just about that time. It was a good time for me to reflect. So I wanted to tell you about the story, but, you know, we can learn a lot in this chapter about how to respond in those types of situations. They're not all that crazy, I hope, you know. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a small attack or a big attack. What we're going to talk about tonight is going to help us in those situations. So I've given you a handout on your table. looks something like this. And... What we're going to do is we've got an acrostic that I'm going to use. I had to struggle to make this acrostic work, by the way, all right? It took, me, it took, a, it took a whole day to figure this out. But I made it work. I made it work, all right? So let's just jump in. We're going to see what, what Paul teaches us about how to react, okay, when you're under attack. And the first one, the R, okay, is remember who you are. Remember who you are. So if we go back and look in what I just read, and like I told you, I'm going to kind of go back and forth. In the New Living Translation, it says there in verses 1 and 2, so look at Apollos and me as mere servants, as Christ, right? So first and foremost, when we remember who we are, we know we are servants of Christ. 
We are servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. And remember back when we talked about uh, in chapter 3, God's mysteries, we said that the depths of God, how do we know the depths of God? Through the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit reveals to us as Christians the depths of God. So we've been in charge, we've been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries, the depths of God. Now, as a person who is put in charge, as a manager, must be faithful. If you looked at the ESV, very similar. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards, okay? A steward is someone put in charge, okay? Think of it as a guardian, you know? They use the word in the New Living Translation in verse 2, manager, Okay, so we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that we may be found faithful. Okay, so we're servants of Christ. We're stewards of, of God and the mysteries of God, just what the Holy Spirit reveals about the depths and the goodness of God. We're stewards of that, okay? And as stewards, it says that we should be faithful. Now, that word faithful there, think of it as trustworthy, Okay, so it's a good word, and one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I like that manager concept, right? So if you have a manager, if you are a manager of a business or, or some other entity, what is one of the most important things for that manager? Certainly trustworthy, right? You do not want a manager that you cannot trust. So first and foremost, when we're under attack, we need to remember that we need to be faithful, trustworthy to God. So a question for all of us is, can God trust you? Can God trust you? Something to think about, right? Because we live in a world where it is real easy to compromise. Real easy to compromise. I was talking just not too long ago to a university president about uh, issues around same-sex marriage and the, the difficulty of dealing with this in, the, in a younger generation on a, on a university. And they were talking about uh, the difficulty of making the decision to give in. And my response to them is, well, that wasn't difficult at all. I mean, the winds are blowing as hard as they can that way. Easy to give in. Easy to compromise. Right? Easy to give in, easy to compromise. Would have been easy for me, I promise you, back when I was going through that attack, to give in. That's really what they wanted. I mean, whenever, whenever it went down, it is so crazy. If I, there's so many stories I can hear and tell. Um, somebody hacked into our website. We shut everything down. Somebody hacked into the website and deleted God from every place on the website. Deleted it, God, from every place on the website. It would have been easy for me to give in. I, would have, I could have done exactly what they wanted. Could have done exactly what they wanted. But it's hard to be faithful, right? But, but, but first and foremost, listen, I tell you, in my life, I was thinking about this. The one thing that I want for sure is I want God to be able to trust me. I want to remain faithful. You know, I, was, I read a quote about a man named John Stott. He was a great theologian. And on his deathbed, when they asked him, they said, what's your prayer? What's your final prayer? He said, pray, I, I pray that I will be faithful to Jesus until my last breath. Man, I tell you, that's what I want to be. We were, uh, this past week, went to a funeral for a great man, a great friend of mine, Dennis Lake, was a deacon at our church. And Man, you talk about a guy that was faithful to his last breath. That was Dennis Lake. 
So make sure God can trust you because I'm going to tell you, if he can't trust you, he'll never, ever be able to use you. All right, number two, E. My E is for example. Be an example of obedience. Be an example of obedience. When you are under attack, be an example of obedience. Look at verse 6. In the New Living, it said, Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate, to be an example of what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I've quoted from Scripture. Okay, over in the ESV version, it says, I have applied all these things. All right, I've, I've been an example. I've done all of this as an example Okay, to myself and to Paul's for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. There's another version of the Bible called the New Century Version. Erin's always uh, introducing me to new things. She thinks I hate it, but I love it. Uh, and in that version, it says, follow only what is written. Follow only what is written. I mean, listen, this is our playbook, right? Okay, so when times are bad and you're under attack, there's no place that you should be going other than this. Okay, no place you should be going other than this. And let me tell you, one of the biggest reasons, there's two. This is the one where I said a minute ago that learning how to react can help you and others. Well, this is one of those double ones right here, okay? Because first of all, the other people that are doing the attacking, they're watching you. Okay, they're watching you. They're watching your uh, whether you're living out what you're saying. Okay, they're looking for it. And in this world, my goodness, I mean, that's a microscope, right, on, on you. All right, you can't get away. Can't hide from it. But they're, I promise you, they're watching you. And let me tell you the other thing it does when you're getting under attack, okay, and when you're going through a difficult time, all right, when you press into this, when you press into this, it's gonna help you. I mean, this was my Bible during this time, and it's, I can't even use it anymore. It's so worn out, okay? And I go in here, and I was looking at it. I've got all kinds of things. I, it was just breaking apart, so I had to get, give it up. I didn't want to give it up. But if you look through this Bible, you're going to see a ton of places where I've written things about this company. You know, here I wrote, you know, I was reading in Exodus about when, when, when the people were complaining about not having food or water to, to Moses, and, and God said, you know, go out and show them my might and hit the rock, Okay, I was reading that because it was a time where I was being questioned, you know, and I was just calling upon God to say, God, give me that strength to go out as your, your, your mighty man of God and, and, and strike the rock and bring out the water. All right, I, I, I was looking over here. I, I was reading in Nehemiah, and there was a time where, man, we were sacrificing so much as a family to keep this business afloat. It was just insane what we were giving up and there's a time on here it says in, in Nehemiah chapter 5 it says we had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes we belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs yes yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live it was just such a hard time because it felt like we were just liquidating everything to keep the company alive and I was just drawing from Nehemiah you know speak to me God over here I was looking in, in, in Luke, where it talks about the parable of the ten servants. And I was just thinking, man, how do I utilize? How do I get more out of the people that we have at the business? And I, I wrote here at the top, I put the name of the company, and I said, we all have something to give. We all can be used some by, way by God. So my point is, listen, I got as much out of it, I promise you, as anybody else around me, all right? But, but 
the first place you should go, okay, is the Bible, God's Word. That's how you figure out how to respond, okay? They're watching you, all right? Jesus, okay, the night before he was crucified, he said, I do what I'm commanded so that they know that I love God. That they know that I love God, all right? There's no more stability that you will get in life than, you will, than from this God's Word. Whenever I got the privilege this morning to, to marry uh, Kelly and Shaw, I talked about this in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, it says, if you hear God's word and you obey, you're like a wise man who builds a house on a rock and it will not be shaken. Not by wind, not by rain, not by flood. Will not be shaken if you just hear and obey. Jared preached on it I don't know, last week or the week before, Psalm chapter 1, right? When I meditate on God's word, you'll be like a tree planted along the water. All that you do will prosper. Got to get in this word. They're watching you. Your obedience, your obedience to God's word, it'll impact you. Okay, and it's going to impact them. The third one, A. Always extend grace. Always extend grace. If you look at verses 7 and 8 there, it says, For what gives you the right to make such judgment? For what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? In the ESV it says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If not you have received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And, you, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. He's really just trying to tell them. He's trying to show them, listen... It's all about God's grace. You didn't do any of this. You didn't deserve this. He's really over-exaggerating, if you will, to make a point. All right? And in our lives, when we're under attack, I will tell you, the best way to help somebody understand grace is to model it. Is to model it yourself. Okay? And, and word, all right, and deed. Tell them and show them. Tell them and show them. And one way that I know this is right, the one way that I know this is in accordance with God's word is because it is completely opposite of today's culture. Completely opposite of today's culture. I mean, when you just look at discussions of politics and discussions of race relations in our country, I mean, you don't see anybody spewing grace. I mean, you see just hateful speech. You see just, just bitter anger. But boy, you don't see a whole lot of grace out there. And I'll tell you, it, it was so impactful to me. I don't know if you remember, but I've kept this from August 15th of 2015. That shows you how impactful it was for me. And you see that, the, the picture of that father. And you may remember his son was shot, okay, at a car dealership in Arlington. All right. It was an early on, one of the police shootings. And I, I, I was so taken by the words of this father that I kept that article all this time, okay? And I never knew when or if I would ever need it or why I might need it. But I pulled it out when I was going through this just to read some of, of it. You know, this is, a, this is a father that certainly felt he was under attack. He actually said, I feel like a prisoner in my own home, all right? And, and he said, though, the, the writer of this article, James Raglan, which I don't read James a whole lot, but he, he wrote a good article here. He said, the father wasn't angry. He said, he's not mad at the world or even at the officer who fired the shots. He said, if anything, Taylor may teach us all, all of us a thing or two about grace, about compassion, 
Okay, here's what the father said. There's no winner in this. We're both losers. I feel for him and I pray for him. He lost his job. He lost his dream. I lost a life. And both our lives are changed forever. Spewing grace though. I mean, it just was so impactful. I remember reading this in the paper that day and almost coming to tears and just, just seeing what, what someone that, that speaks grace instead of anger that we hear today, what it does into that situation, what it can do when, when you're under attack, when somebody's coming after you, the natural response is really to go back, right? Is to go back after them. But man, how you can change things when you go after them with grace. Ephesians 4.29 says that, that we shouldn't talk in corrupting ways, okay? But we should speak words that build up. The words that build up. And why? Okay, that it may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. You're giving grace just by speaking positive, uplifting, building, encouraging. Listen, grace is powerful, okay? Grace Grace trumps sin. All right, one of my favorite Bible verses is Romans 5.20. It says, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Okay? And I tell you what else to do is it'll eliminate this boasting. All right? That's what Paul's doing here. It'll eliminate this boasting. But most importantly, you know what Grace did? Uh, Jared mentioned it tonight. What Grace does is it softens the heart. Grace softens the heart. It's like if you take that ice, that big block of ice, all right, you shine that sun down on it, that light down on it, it'll just melt. That's what grace does. C, C is for Christ. Live like Christ. If you look at verse 10, he said, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. That was in the New Living. And in, in the ESV, we are fools for Christ's sakes. Verse uh, 17 says, he will remind you, okay, this is Timothy, he will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus. Okay, over in the ESV it says, this is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. Live like Christ. Listen, if, we live in, if we're living like Christ in this world, right, we know that there's going to be some conflict. Okay, the Bible tells us this. It says that Jesus said that they will hate you because they also hate me and you're living for me and you're not in this world. So the world, okay, there's gonna be conflict if you're living for Christ. But on the other hand, all right, on the other hand, there is nothing more life-changing. There's nothing more life-changing for you and for those around you than a life that is lived that imitates Christ. Okay, the reason that we're studying words of the Apostle Paul is because of Paul imitated Christ. You go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says that imitate me. Why? Because I am an imitator of Christ. Okay, one of my favorite pastors is uh, Francis Chan. You've heard me talk about Francis Chan before. And Francis tells this story. He said that at, he's a, he was a pastor of a big church in, in California and and Francis said, well, we had this guy come to our church one day, and he was a missionary from uh, Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea? Yeah, Papua New Guinea. And uh, he was telling us about all the good work they were doing over there. And after he got through, he said, uh, you know, I owe all of this to my youth pastor, and his name was Vaughn. All right, and he said, then the next week, somebody else came to church, and they were talking to us about supporting children. And I was wondering, again, as I was reading this, if it was our friend Dave Phillips, who may have been talking about Children's Hunger Fund. 
Okay, but he came there and told them about all the good things they were doing for kids. And uh, after it was over, he started talking to them and found out that he gave credit, okay, uh, to all that he had accomplished, really, to his youth pastor. And he later found out that they had the same youth pastor, and it was this guy named Vaughn. He said about a week later, another guy came in that was talking about a rescue mission that he runs in, in Los Angeles. His name was Dan. Dan talked for a little while, and after it was over, Francis went up to him, and he said, Dan, you know, it's just crazy. I've had two speakers in here in the last couple of weeks, and, you know, they've been so impactful for our church, and both of them said that they really owe it all to a guy that was their youth pastor. His name's Vaughn. He said everything got quiet, and he's like, man, Francis, I know Vaughn. I know him really well. I take mission trips with Vaughn. Yeah, he's a great guy. He takes these groups down into Tijuana, Mexico, into the hardest, toughest areas. And he just, and he helps the children there. And he shares the gospel. And he said that people just, their lives are just changed. The hardest, the toughest, the most difficult, the scariest people. He said, you know what, Francis? He said, it's really weird. He said, it's just really weird. He said, every time I'm with Vaughn, I feel like I'm with Jesus. In fact, he said, I've never been with anybody that made me feel like I was walking with Jesus other than Vaughn. Well, it wrecked Francis Chan's life, man. It just changed him. I mean, this is a guy that's so sold out for the gospel. He's one of my spiritual heroes. And it said it just broke him. It said it just broke him. He was pastoring a big church. And he said, he said, I wonder, does anybody ever say that about me? Does anybody ever say, boy, when I'm with Scott, I feel like I'm walking with Jesus? You know what his answer was? No. I never, nobody ever feels that way. And it changed him. It changed him. I mean, listen, the point of that story is, is living like Christ has the power to change. Right? I mean, if it'll change somebody like Francis Chan... Imagine what it could do to those who desperately need Christ. You know, if grace, if grace softens the heart, okay, living like Christ gives God an opportunity to change the heart. It gives God an opportunity to change the heart. No matter who's doing the tacking, no matter where you're at, even in the hardest parts of Mexico with some of the hardest people, All right, finally, the last one, T, be thick-skinned. Be thick-skinned. What did it say in uh, verse 13? It said in the the New Living, it said, um, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash. And then the other one, it says, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the ESV, like the scum of the world. And we saw all that Paul endured. I mean, this is just a small little snippet of what Paul endured. I could take you all kinds of places in the Bible and tell you about the horrible things that, that Paul had to endure, okay? But listen, we can't let that bother us, all right? Times are going to sometimes be difficult. When you're under attack, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. It wasn't easy for me. I spent so many times just broken during that time, just broken, weeping, just so sorrowful for everything that was happening, not just in my life, my family, but all the people that were involved. But you just can't always worry about that. You gotta stay focused on on these first ones, the R-E-A-C, right? The remembering who you are, being the example of obedience, extending grace, living like Christ. 
You know, I used to have a mentor, and you've probably heard this, that always say, Scott, they can't eat you. I love that. I don't know why. It's so stupid, but they can't eat you. All right? And it's true. All right? It's sometimes hard, but it's true. It's good truth. They can't eat you. There's even a greater truth. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 18, that nothing we go through here will ever compare to the future glory that we will receive. All right? So listen, the bottom line, how you react, it really matters. It really matters. By the power of God, it changes people. That's you and that's others, okay? I know that was the way it was for me. All right, it changed me. This whole experience that I went through, I thank God for it. I'm still struggling with that company every day, all right? But I, I thank God for what I went through. You can't always control the response either, right? Just because you react properly, you can't control necessarily the response on the other side. I couldn't control it. You will not be able to control it, all right? I saw an article. Uh, I was just looking for examples of this, man. I, I, I prayed all afternoon about this one, okay? Because this is a person, and, and I'm not even really going to give you the name, but um, it's a person that is a, a, a big advocate, all right, for Black Lives Matters today, all right? An, an evangelical advocate. And I don't agree with everything that she says. I don't, by the way, agree with everything Prestonwood does, okay? So like they were saying up there, David Green, very true, right? He said... All of you, if you get to know one another more, you're going to find out you don't agree on everything. You don't always agree on everything. But listen, I spent a whole day almost this afternoon, okay, researching all right, this particular person. And all I found from her was words of grace and obedience and love. And let me tell you, she is hated. <laughs> and, and most of the bad stuff that I read came from the church. Just broke my heart, all right? Just broke my heart. And again, I don't agree with everything, all right? The reason I want to give you the name is because I don't want everybody to go search for four days and say, oh, Scott, what about this? They said, that's not my point. Okay, no, that's not my point. Okay, but this is, this is about unity. Remember, this whole thing's about unity and how you react will help create unity in the big C and in the little C and in the workplace and in the school, and wherever you're at. You got to trust God. Trust God's word that's going to create unity, Right? Well, I read a quote from her, okay, because this is, I want to talk about the things we can't agree on, all right, what we can't agree on. She says, evangelical, because they were asking her, what do you think evangelical is? She said, evangelical means, I truly believe in the historical existence of Jesus, that he was born, that he walked on this earth, that he died, that he rose again, and that my life is saved and centered around him. And therefore, my actions should mimic his, and more than that, should be bound up in him, hidden everything that he did. Since I'm risen with him, my life is hidden in him. She went on to say, and that to me means that I go forth and I tell the world that this, this Jesus can change everything that is wrong with the world. That I can agree on. Everything that she wrote. And she's done it with just amazing grace. And my point to you is, is that, listen, the world you can't get caught up in how it's going to respond. This is not an outcome-driven, you know, don't judge your reaction and how you react to how they accept your reaction, okay? We're going to, we're going to get to spend a lot more time in Corinthians and know that, that Paul's lesson here and trying to teach them, okay, it, just, it didn't set in right away, 
All right? It didn't set in right away. So it's not always going to be immediate and instant. I'm still, still, still waiting for some goodness to come out of what I went through. But don't for a second lose sight of, of how important it is. Okay, don't, don't, don't get lost in, in, in what's happening in the present. Keep your eyes focused like Paul on the eternal, on the eternal. And how you react has eternal implications. I promise you this. If you react like Paul, I guarantee it. Okay, I guarantee it. There will be more light in this world. Amen? Amen. All right, let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for your word, God. I just thank you for the instruction that comes from your word. I thank you, Lord, that when we need encouragement, we can go to your word. I thank you that when we need love, when we need hope, when we need faith, when we need patience, when we need kindness, whatever it is, Lord, that we need, we can go to the word of God. And it will be there for us. It is living and it is alive. It changes our life and it changes the lives of others. So, Lord, I pray, God, in these difficult days, Lord, when things are so difficult to maneuver as a Christian in the world we live in, sometimes in the church and out, God, I pray that, Lord, when attacks come our way, that, Lord, we will react like the Apostle Paul. We'll remember who we are. We'll remember who we are. We'll be an example of obedience. We'll always extend grace. We'll live like Christ, and we'll just let it roll off and remember that it's making an eternal difference. Lord, bless everyone in this room. Bless them as they go. Let us, Lord, be lights that shine brightly into a dark world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.